Part five of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters thirteen to fifteen. Chapter thirteen. How Ewan was brought into the city of Palador. Well may you imagine that Ewan was astonished as he went, for it came upon him coldly that he knew not what he had done, nor wherefore and moreover he saw that he had not yet come to the end of the matter and he would willingly have questioned those who went with him but they were every man of them a bawling and a singing and when he spoke to them they answered nothing to the purpose but continued praising him and giving him joy and so with great tumult they came before the gate of the city and there was ewan yet more astonished for he had thought to find it well shut and defended but now the barriers were down and the gate was open, and upon the gatehouse and upon the walls there stood a multitude of people past counting, and they cried, An eagle, an eagle, and shouted for joy every man louder than another. Then Ewan and they that were with him entered the gateway and passed through it and began to go into the city and certain of the townsfolk took the banner from between ewan's hands and carried it before him and others of them pressed upon the beaten men of the tower and jeered at them by their names and cast dust upon their heads and so they came altogether to the market-place which was great and square but the crowd of them filled it from side to side and from end to end and stood therein as close as standing barley now on one side of the market-place was a high hall with steps thereto and those that led ewan brought him to the steps and made him stand there upon a width of stone where he could be seen of all and the multitude threw up their hands and waved them at him crying that he should speak to them and this he would have done willingly as one not unused to speak before others but what he should find to say to these men that he could no more tell than a babe unborn for he was alone in a strange world and the time of his understanding was not yet begun moreover though the secret of solomon had been in his mouth yet he could not have uttered it for the noise of the shouting which came about him like the clamouring of rooks when they are fluttered and so continued for the space of a good hour and an evil hour it was for him seeing that the sun was now high and fierce and the burden of it made his back weary and the noise became as it were a bruise within his head and at the last when it was now hard on noon he saw that the crowd was moved and parted to right and left and through the midst there came a train of great ones walking slowly between halberdiers and trumpeters and they came upon the steps of the great hall where ewan was standing and saluted him with bowing and two that were servants brought him a robe of black broidered with gold and they made as though they would have taken from him his cloak of pilgrimage but that he would by no means suffer for he remembered how he had come by it so that in the end they covered his cloak with the robe and were content then two of the chief ones took him by the hand and led him into the great hall and there went in after them all that train and many more Chapter fourteen How Ewan sat at feast in Palador with the company of the tower and the company of the eagle. 
now the hall was ordered within as for a feast and the ordering of it was after the accustomed manner of feasts for at one end of it was a high table upon a dais and other two tables there were that came squarely therefrom as the two posts of a door come squarely from the lintel and the napery upon the tables was fine and white and the dishes were of silver but upon the dais was a cupboard and the cups upon it and the ewers and the plates were all of gold and up and down the hall there went six marshals who showed courteously to each man where he should be seated and they showed to ewan a seat at the high table and when he sat therein he overlooked well nigh all the hall then came two pages with water to let wash his hands whereof he thanked them without feigning then the marshals brought to him those that should sit on either side of him and when they had demanded of ewan how he should be called then they named each to other by their names and of those two the one was called sir reynold and he was shaped like a pear and yellowed in face and slow of speech as one upon whom men wait and about his neck was a gold chain and a jewel of gold hung thereby made in the fashion of a tower but the other of them was by name hubert and he was a young man and slight and he bore upon him the scutcheon of the eagle and his speech was restless and full of joy then stood up a great archbishop and a herald smote upon the table and called loudly for silence and when the archbishop had spoken a set piece of grace then all men stirred and sat them down again with much clatter and thereupon came servitors and served every man with meat and drink and as ewan ate and drank his weariness departed and his spirit came again to him and he was minded to learn the truth of all that he had seen that day to which end he turned him first to sir reynold seeing that he was manifestly of the tower and dwelt as ewan supposed within the city but sir reynold was not to be so handled for he was such an one as would liefer ask ten questions than answer two and his manner of speaking was like water that is slow and deep against which there is no force to stand but only to go therewith yet was the man courteous after his kind for he said how that ewan had done well as for so young a fighter and might yet come to some good and though he knew it not yet in one matter he told ewan that which he would have asked him for when he began to speak he demanded to know this whether ewan had been in palador at any time past or was only that day come among them and thereby ewan perceived that the name of the city was called palador then in no long time weariness came upon ewan and he left speaking with sir reynold making excuse in the best manner that he could and he set his hope upon the young man hubert for he saw that he bore the scutcheon of the eagle and hubert told him all that he asked and more thereto for he said that what was done was done according to the custom of the city whereby each year they banished all such of the young men as had come to their strength and once in each year the young men came before the gate in company and demanded to enter and they were favoured of many within the city but certain of the elders went out and fought with them to drive them away and this they did because of the company of the tower for it was a most ancient company and they feared greatly lest the young men should change the ordinance thereof seeing that it was fitter for men in age than in youth 
Then Ewan asked him concerning the company of the eagle, and first what was the ordinance of it. And Hubert said that they had no ordinance but one, and that was that every man should wear his own colours, and do after his own heart. And this also, that he should always and in all places fight against the tower. Then Ewan asked him again, whether it was so that the eagles had always the better of the tower as they had at this present. And Hubert said that there was no such fortune, for though they were many in number and of a great spirit, yet they were poor and poorly furnished. And there was yet another reason, and that was because they kept no fellowship together, and had small knowledge of war. For as soon as one of them gathered skill or strength in fighting, they of the tower came secretly, and offered him entrance, so that for the time to come he fought not against them. Yet time and again, he said, there would come one that could not be reckoned with, so that once in ten years, as it might be, the eagles would have the mastery. And for the hope of such an one, the horn was blown, to call him to the place of the fighting. Then Ewan left that, lest he should seem to speak of himself, and he said how he was astonished, because that he saw about him, both those of the eagle and those of the tower, sitting and feasting together after so cruel a day's work. And Hubert answered that this also was of the custom, and great was the evil that came of it. For though a young man, he said, may become old before his time, never will an old man come back into the mind of his youth, so that it was but according with nature that through the mingling of the companies the tower should be continually plenished, and the eagles minished. Then the herald called again for silence, and Ewan and Hubert spoke no more together, and when the archbishop had chanted yet another piece, then all men went out from the hall. Chapter 15 Of the gifts that were given to Ewan, and of a dream that he dreamed, and it was now long past noon, but the crowd continued still in the market-place, and when they saw Ewan come out upon the steps, they shouted again, for above all things they loved to see fighting, and to hear tell of it. Also they were glad when they saw the eagle go before the tower, for men will reverence their betters, and yet take pleasure to see them discomfited. Moreover they of the tower ruled continually over them, and were thereby the heavier to bear. But they of the eagle came only to make sport for them. Ewan therefore perceived that the commons held him in honour of their own good will, but the great ones he deemed to be his friends, in fear rather than in love, honouring him for the sake of the custom, and because he had the good will of others. Nevertheless they spoke not so, but continued in their courtesy, for they set him in the midmost of their train, and brought him through the city, to a house that was made ready for him, and the house and all that was in it, they gave him freely to have and to hold. Furthermore, they gave him certain customary gifts, in such case provided, and first, a hogshead of wine, very sweet and very drowsy, and this was the gift of the eagles, and second, a silver collar, that all men might salute him whensoever they saw it, and this was the gift of them of the tower, for they themselves loved such greeting beyond measure. And the third gift was a full bushel of gold, and this was the gift of the whole city, and the greatest of the three, 
for in Palador they have a saying that gold is the noblest of the metals, and nobleness they honour above all virtues. Then, when they had given Ewan these gifts, they took their leave of him, as for that time, and Ewan thanked them as best he might, and made fast the door of his house. And for a short space he was content to look about him at one thing and another, as a child will play with his toys when they are new, and then he thought to taste of the wine that had been given him, and when he had drawn a little of it into a cup, he drank it, and for a moment he had some joy thereof, for it was sweet upon the tongue, and ran bravely through his blood. But afterwards the drowsiness in it was yet stronger than the sweetness and the bravery, so that he desired no more to live, but only to dream, and instantly he had his desire. Now in his dream it seemed to him that he awoke out of sleep, and saw that the sun was set and the moon rising, and in the moonlight he saw beside him a boy weeping, and it was the boy whom he had followed and found not. Then Ewan had great pain at the heart, and he asked him the reason of his weeping, and the boy gave him no word, either of reason or unreason, but continued weeping pitifully. So for comfort Ewan took him by the hand, and instantly the boy left weeping and made to go forth, and he led Ewan from the house as formerly he had left him from the house of Sulney. Then they two went through the streets together, and came quickly to the gate of the city, that was the same by which Ewan had come in, and the gate was shut and locked, and the porter gone within the gatehouse. But the boy laid his hand against the wicket, and opened it lightly, and he drew Ewan after him, and they went out towards the place of the fighting. And the boy stayed not there, but went forward to the edge of the steep bank, and looked towards the wood. And Ewan also looked with him, and he saw the river and the stepping-stones, and the meadow-ground beyond them. And by the woodside was a poplar-tree new-fallen, and thereon he saw under the moon that lady sitting, and suddenly in his dream he repented him that he had so left her, and he well knew wherefore the boy had wept. And they too ran down to her together, and Ewan cast himself before her, and he laid his hands between her hands, and sware by his faith to serve her truly. And in his dream she looked kindly upon him, and he saw her eyes, and they were grey like the dawn, and filled with coming brightness. So he turned him about, to bring in the boy, that he also might be comforted. But the place was all clear moonlight, and the boy there was none, neither to right nor to left. Then the lady rose up, and went towards the city of Palador, and Ewan went with her, and she brought him to the gate, and it was shut. But with her hand she touched the wicket, and so opened it, and they entered in thereat. And in short space they came to Ewan's house, and passed it by, and when they had gone some deal farther, they came before a house that Ewan knew not, where was a great shield of arms beside the doorway. And there the lady stayed, and she looked at Ewan, and he at her, and when he thought that she would have said somewhat, she turned her away, and she went from him into the house without word spoken. Then Ewan also went his way, and as he went in his dream, the moon set, and the sun rose on Palador. End of Part 5